to that, I have a couple of announcements that I, I need to make this morning. First of all, somebody a while back sent me a quote. I'd like to read it to you, what's going on out there today. It says, if, if you choose not to find joy in the snow, you will have less joy in your life, but still have the same amount of snow. <laughs> so keep that in mind, those of you that are complaining about the snow. You can rejoice in it or you can complain, but you're still going to have the same amount of snow out there. And then the, the second thing is out on, in the foyer, you will find a bunch of calendars and uh, some uh, pens that are out there. Th- those are gifts for you to take. And also, there's don't have any names on them, but they're cards, and that's our Christmas cards to each of you there. So make sure on your way out you stop it and, and pick some up, and because uh, we sure don't want to take them home. So that uh, they, they are for you you to enjoy this year. Okay, in Job chapter thirty-eight, in, interesting verse. It says in verse seven. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. He's talking there about the creation of the world. And the morning stars and the sons of God sang together for joy. As we think of the Christmas season, the Advent season, we've looked at, uh, if you recall, the first candle that we lit was the candle of hope. The hope that God brings to us today. And then we looked last week at the candle of peace. And now we get into the hard part. You've got to change colors. Why, I don't know. But we're looking at the candle of joy. I got it right. Once in a while I do that. Traditionally, we sing that song this time of year, Joy to the World. I'm sure you all are aware of it, have sung it many times. I had an interesting conversation years ago with my son-in-law when he was pastoring a church in Powell, Wyoming. He decided to do a series of messages on the Christmas carols and the message that comes from the Christmas carol. And he had come to visit us, I think it was at Thanksgiving time, he was working on that series. And he said, I'm having a difficult time with joy to the world. He said, I don't see how it fits into the Christmas season. And I said, the reason it doesn't fit the Christmas season is it wasn't written for the Christmas season. It was written for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't care whether you sing it at Christmas time or not, because whether it's Christmas or the end of the year or whatever, I trust we're looking for the return of Jesus Christ. And so it it, it, is, it is fitting to, to sing, but uh, it, it wasn't... It didn't have anything to do with the, the first coming of Christ. It has everything to do with the second coming. And isn't that the hope that we have today? The blessed hope is that he is coming. Again, the Prince of Peace is coming. And that should bring to us, as that song captures for us, the message of joy. Joy to the world. It certainly is fitting for this time of year. The angels proclaim that joy. In, in Luke chapter 2, as, as they, they made their proclamation there, that they spoke of joy to the peace on earth and joy to the, to the world there. We associate joy with the Christmas season. We see it on the faces of the children as they anticipate what's going to be under the tree or what presents they're going to get and so forth. We 
think of it in, in terms of uh, family time uh, as we get together as families. Uh, and yet, so often joy can be an elusive thing, can it? So often, even though we proclaim joy at this season, so often it eludes us if we're not careful. It's, it's a difficult word to define. Webster defines it as a feeling of happiness, of success, of well-being. And yet somehow I think that falls far short of joy. Joy involves much more than what Webster seemed to think it enjoyed there. Because joy is not necessarily dependent on our circumstances. Joy is a matter of what's going on in our heart. Is our heart right with God? If it is, then we can rejoice and we can have a, a sense of joy. As we look at the candles there, the, the hope candle was certainly essential to joy. Without hope, we have no joy. Without something to look forward to, that, that joy, uh, as we look at the world in which we live, that, that joy would be absent. Peace is an essential part of joy as well. In the Old Testament, there are over 27 different words used or translated joy in our scripture. That, they had a far different idea of joy, I think, then than, than we had have today. It describes both an emotion and an expression and an action there. In Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Have you found that to be true? In the midst of of the struggles, in the midst of sometimes the trials that you're going through, have you found that the joy of the Lord is sufficient? The joy of the Lord gives you the strength that you need to face one more day. We want to look at some examples of joy, first of all, from the Old Testament. And um, this is not an exhaustive list. If, If you look in your concordance you will find the word joy or the word rejoicing is used over 400 times in the Old Testament alone. That's a lot of times. That's something that we need to to focus on. But the first time we see joy expressed is the joy of creation. That's what we read about in Job chapter 38. The Lord is speaking there. Remember, Job has been going through all kinds of trials. He lost his possessions. He lost his, his children. He, he lost his health, and he has struggled with that. If you read the book, for 37 chapters, he's been struggling with why. Why, why is this happening to me? What, what, what is God doing in, in my life? And you come to the chapter 38, and God doesn't answer the question why. I, I trust if you're looking for the answer to the question why, what's going on in your life, that you come to the conclusion that you might have to wait till heaven to find out why. He doesn't always tell us what is happening or or why it's happening in our life there. But the first thing the Lord reminds Job of is that he was the creator. He was the one who created the world in which we live today. We're going to look at that, incidentally, starting the last week of December. We're, We're going to move into the book of Genesis. So if you haven't already done so, take some time and read the at least the opening chapters of, of Genesis. We're going to spend probably a, a month and a half in, the, in just the first two or three chapters there. So take some time and, and read the, the creation story and the, the creation account. We can appreciate, I believe, the joy of creation. Just take a, a look around about you today. Uh, I, and if you 
if you have to kind of blank out that, the snow. I mean, that, that's part of the joy of creation. That's, that's part of the beauty that we enjoy in, in the world in which we live. But I realize some of you don't see that but, uh, or, or don't understand that. But uh, Psalm 19 declares, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. And God's placed us in a beautiful part of his creation. Uh, we should rejoice in, in that today. But beyond that, I think as we look at creation, every area of science, every area of study of, of the u- world in which we live, whether it's the human body or whether it's the uh, study of the climate around us or whatever it may be, every area brings us something to marvel about when we think of the handiwork of God, when we think of his creation and, and what he has what he has done. The, the psalmist said in Psalm 139, verse 14, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are his works. We can rejoice with the nation of Israel in the joy of creation. They also rejoiced in the joy of life. And you can read Ecclesiastes 11, 9 through 11, and, and 12, 1 for that. In 12, 1, he says, we are to rejoice in our creator, the one who has created us, the one who has given us life it, itself. And he also encourages us to rejoice, men, in the wife of your youth, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18. In reality, what I think he is saying in all of that is all of us have been blessed in so many ways that we have something to rejoice about. Now, I realize as I say that, we, we all have to face the reality at times of pain, of, of heartaches and struggles along the way. But if we really opened our eyes, even in the midst of those times, we would see that we have so much to thank the Lord for. He has blessed us in so many ways. There is that, that joy of life today. And then there's the joy of victory. Over and over again, as you read the Old Testament, they celebrated the fact that God would bring victory into their lives, over their enemies, over the forces of nature over whatever it was that they needed deliverance from, God was there, and God was the one that brought that victory into their lives. And then they celebrated in Isaiah chapter 12 the joy of salvation. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, he he says, Come with joy and draw water from the well of salvation. I, I can't help but think of John chapter 4, when I read that verse. Remember the woman at the well? She was dissatisfied with life. She had struggled. She had gone through a a lot of heartache and so forth. And Jesus came and said, draw some water from my well, and you'll never thirst again. Have you experienced that? Have you you drawn from the well of salvation? It, It doesn't matter what the trials may be. We have his salvation. We have a, a, a glorious future to look forward to. So they also celebrated a joy of hope there. In uh, Zechariah chapter 2, verse 9, he, he speaks of the fact, and uh, I think my wife's going to give you several other verses you can just jot, jot down there, and you can look those up on your own. But in, in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 10, he says, Sing for joy and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming. I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. What was their hope? It was the advent. It was the the coming of the Messiah into their world. Now, they haven't fully realized that yet. we, We celebrate the first coming of Christ, but he's coming again. 
And we can rejoice in, in that fact. That there is that hope that is ours today. So that leads us down to today. This is all that, this is, I shouldn't say all, that's not right. There's over 400 different things in the, the Old Testament they, they celebrated and rejoiced in. But the, the, this sums up the joy that they were experiencing as they faced the first advent, as, as they looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. But what about us today? What are we to rejoice in? In Philippians chapter 4, he says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. No, not quite right, is it? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Now, I was not being facetious when I said that. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes, because I wonder, how many times do we do that? We pick and choose what we're going to rejoice in. Do, do we rejoice when things don't go our way? Do, do we rejoice in the midst of a struggle and a trial? Do we rejoice in the Lord always? In, in 1 Thessalonians five sixteen and 18, he says, In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you. He said, Re- rejoice in the Lord always there. And uh, again, I, I have to ask myself, do I do that? Do I, well, I, I, maybe I shouldn't meddle, but maybe I will. How many of you did some complaining this week? Hmm. How many of you did some complaining when you got up this morning? A few of you did. A few of us said, praise the Lord, it snowed last night. <laughs> but uh, not, not every, I realize not everybody did. I, I stand out there on the first one here, so I get to hear the comments of everybody that comes through the door. I think I heard a little bit of complaining there this morning. Uh, 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 a beautiful day like this, and yet we complain about it. <laughs> uh, and so I, I think... We need to examine joy in our heart and in our life. What do we have to rejoice in? The first thing that we have to rejoice in is we rejoice in Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord. That's what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. In John chapter 16, beginning in verse 20, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. Why? Because Christ was going to be there with them. And he speaks of uh, childbirth and so forth. But he, he reminds them in verse 22, Therefore you too now have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice, and no one takes your joy away from you. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verses 5 and 6, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I don't care what's going on in the world around us. I I, I don't care what is happening in our individual lives today. The fact of the matter is, he is walking through those valleys, those mountaintops with us today. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so, can we rejoice in the Lord always? I believe we can. I believe we choose not to sometimes, but I believe we can. It, it, he, he has given us the reality of his presence no matter where we are at, what is going on in our life. We can rejoice in Jesus Christ. The second thing that we rejoice in today is we can rejoice. Now, this is where it gets a little bit tough. Uh, I'm thankful that Jim took care of this for me and I didn't have to do the book of James. 
we're to rejoice in what? Afflictions. In verse uh, 2, he said, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Why in the world would he want to do that? Well, he goes on to say, Knowing that the testing or the trial of your faith produces patience or endurance there. The very fact that we are going through a trial should remind us of the fact that God is at work in our lives. He's allowed that trial. He's going through that trial with us. And as Peter picks up on in 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, In this you greatly rejoice, in verse 6, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. Can you identify with that? Got some trials going on in your life today? Uh, uh, bringing some distress into your life. But he goes on to say that the proof or the trial of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by trial, may be found to result in what? In the praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does all of that mean? It means that if God has brought a trial into your life, that God is doing something that you may not understand, something that's going to result in praise and glory and honor to him. And if that is the case then can't we rejoice? Can't we rejoice in in the midst of the trial? We may not understand the why of it, but in faith we believe that somehow, some way, God is at work. And if God is at work in our lives, we can rejoice. Just as the, the sons of God, the angels of heaven, rejoiced in the work of God in creation, just think of what he's doing in you, a new creation, as he's changing you into the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, think of the story of Rainier, the painter, as, as he approached the end of his life. It became increasingly difficult for him to paint. His hands were gnarled up by uh, arthritis and so forth, and yet he continued to paint. One day, a friend watching him going through that process said, Why do you continue to paint when it hurts so much? And he summed it up very briefly by saying, the pain passes, the beauty remains. The pain passes, the beauty remains. And I wonder if that isn't the case in our lives. The pain will pass. The beauty, whatever it is that God is doing, whatever he, he, he's doing in our hearts and lives, that'll remain forever. The glory of the Lord will be seen in and through us. The pain passes, the, the beauty remains. I thought of another illustration. I didn't have it in my notes, but... Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and give it anyhow. It was uh, a, a great musician. Uh, I'm not sure but what he might have played the harp or the cello. I'm not sure which. Uh, he was 95 years of age. And he practiced probably six hours a day. Uh, World-renowned. Considered the greatest player in, in, in the world. And somebody said, why, after all of these years, do you continue to practice. He said, I think I'm still learning something. Yeah, he went through all of that. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I used to get tired of listening to our daughters when they were taking piano lessons. We had a daughter that she would play by the hour, the scales, go over, and, and you felt like saying, Sherry, why don't you just give it a rest? Uh, you don't need to keep practicing, and, and yet uh, she felt she did. And here was a man, 95 years of age, still going through that process. Why? 
the pain passes, the beauty remains. And, and he recognized the, the, the truth of that and that he, he was willing to work on that. As we think about that, do we get upset with the pain, the trials, the difficulties? Or do we say, Lord, what do you got in store for me? What are you doing in my heart? What are you doing in my life? And, and help me to see a glimpse of the beauty that you're working into my life. So we rejoice in affliction. We also rejoice in the advent. Just as Israel rejoiced in the hope of the coming of the Messiah, we too rejoice in the fact that the Messiah is coming again. Jesus Christ is coming. We just finished the book of Jude. Jude ends with that beautiful benediction there. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling, to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Jude was looking for the coming of the Messiah. Jude was looking for his his return there. I, I like the way the, the Apostle John looked for the coming of the Messiah. He pictures in Revelation chapter 19 the bride of Christ. That's the church. That's you and I. And, and the bride in, in Revelation chapter 19 has made herself the marriage supper of the Lamb in view there. And uh, out of that chapter comes a fourfold hallelujah. Four times in just a few short verses, they... Uh, that word hallelujah comes out. And, and uh, in, in verse 6 of that chapter, he, he speaks of the fact, give, uh, verse 5 says, Give praise to God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and the sound of mighty waters, and the sound of the mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that he is on the throne? Do do you believe that he is in control of the world in which we live? And more than that, do you believe that he is in control of your very life today? Remember in Philippians 1.6, he says that he that hath begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, till the day he comes and claims us for his own. The psalmist said in Psalm 16, 11, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. We can rejoice today in the midst of our trials. And yet, let's be honest, not only do we have those times of rejoicing, but we have the time of tears as well, don't we? We have the heartache. The day is coming when he's going to wipe away all of those tears. We're going to be in his presence. We're going to rejoice in the fullness of the glory that he has for us. Paul, in writing to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, said, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though the outer man is decaying. Can you identify with that? The outer man is kind of falling apart, isn't it, as, as we get older here? Though the outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. God is doing something beautiful in your life. 
God is doing something beautiful in the circumstances that touch your life. And someday, when you are with Christ in glory, you're going to see the fullness of joy that he has for you and desires for you. I like, as I've shared before, the optimism of Billy Graham, who one day as he was having lunch in the white in the uh, Capitol building in the, in the senator's lunchroom, was asked by a senator, are you an optimist or a pessimist? And his reply was, I am an optimist. And he was asked why, and he said, I've read the last chapter. We have every reason to rejoice today as we think of the Advent season because Jesus Christ is coming again. And we can look forward and we can rejoice today in who he is, in what he is doing in our hearts and lives and what we have to look forward to perhaps in the near future when we're ushered into his presence. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you today for who you are. Thank you for the joy that you have brought because you've brought us salvation. Thank you for the joy that we can experience today because in the midst of our trials, you're walking through them with us today. And you never leave us, you never forsake us. Thank you for the hope that we have of a glorious future in eternity with you. And we can rejoice in that fact because it's just as sure as you came the first time. You're coming again to receive us unto yourself. And so we want to offer our thanks, our praise, our glory to you today for all that you have done and are doing in our hearts and lives. And may we, as we walk through this Christmas season together, rejoice in who you are and what you have done in and through our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.